Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip talks about carbon credits as an investment opportunity, Bitcoin back above $40,000, and the simple life. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. Alrighty, it is June 14th. This had to be one of the longest but funnest weekends in a while. I felt like yesterday was like Monday because we did a lot. I had a good time hanging out with the family though. Um, but but um, let's get into today's episode. We're talking about three topics. We are talking about carbon credits, uh, Bitcoin being back above 40,000 and the simple life. So first one is carbon credits. So I think as as most of you know, there are there are four trends that are happening in the market as we speak. Four big trends in energy, in money, in retail, in transportation, and I'm forgetting one. Uh, I say retail, but I meant e-commerce, money, and healthcare. And those are the trends that I pay attention to. And so um, with the energy markets, as, as we all know, right, the, 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 19th, the 20th century uh, was the century of fossil fuels. And that led to problems that we have to solve in this century. And so this century will be the century of the green revolution, renewable energy, sustainable energy. All those things, which is, you know, part of the reason why we ran into so much FUD around Bitcoin was, you know, the the the, the money theme and the environment theme pushing against each other, which are two two big themes. And one of the things that I've been paying attention to, because as as you know, I'm a Tesla stock owner, so you know, for the macro opportunity strategy that we own that we manage, uh, I I saw that Tesla had been profitable over the last few years because of the carbon credits. And I hadn't done a lot of research on it, but I knew, okay, maybe that's a temporary thing. And so I did my deep dive into it and began, and realized, or I'd already known it, but I dig, dug deep into the carbon credit markets, how they work. Cause there's like, there's, there's markets where you can buy and sell carbon credits. Yeah, the, the European Union uh, is leading the charge in the carbon credit market, but the U.S. has one. It's how Tesla got the credits. Different states have one, and and basically the way these the way credits work, simple terms is, credits are created by companies that are doing environmentally friendly projects. So, for example, there's 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 companies that you know plant trees that gives them credits that they could sell, right? Because trees help with the CO2 emissions and uh, and all that stuff. There's also, a, I, was, I was on YouTube seeing that there are in Australia, uh, farmers who have farmland that uh, do things that are more environmentally friendly to get credits they use to sell and make money as well. And so there's a whole process that, you know, in the past was abused on, People saying th- good, you know, saying projects were uh, credit worthy and getting credits, and 
it wasn't really legit, which is why the mar- market really broke down as, as until recently in the last few years. But just like every early market, you have the boom and the bust and then things get fixed. You have more regulation coming into these markets. You have governments getting on board. You have big companies that are um, going carbon carbon neutral and wanting to get get really into the market. And so you have the markets being rebuilt and, um, you know, allowing us to be more environmentally friendly um, in, in, our, in our interactions as business people, right? And I, and I believe this is a theme over over the next, you know, over this, this, this century. And so um, going back to the, the, where I'm going with this is, so looking at the Tesla being profitable over the last few years, I was like, hmm. So Tesla, um, they get their credits because California, well, a lot of the credit came from California, but they're there, but they also get some from your from from the European Union, and they're there in China, so they get some from China. But but my point is, I'm digressing. I'm digressing. The point is, since they're a they're a car maker that only produces electric vehicles, they get tons and tons of credits that they just they can't they can't even use, and so they make money from selling those credits. And so if you if you if you think about the credits, which they are like being a commodity, a product, um, you, you you start to understand that. Okay, Tesla's in the energy storage business, which I talked about before, helping to store uh, energy and batteries. They can be used for house cars and all kinds of things. They sell cars, but they have they have this these precious assets on their balance sheet, carbon credits that they produce a lot of, and that the world is moving towards. They were relatively early. It's a, it's still a. I mean, I, I would say if this was. You know, if you can relate this to a market, this is probably similar to maybe Bitcoin in 2013, 2014, right? It's, a, it's still a young market. And Tesla is one of the most efficient companies that, well, it's the most efficient company that produce electric vehicles. Uh, they, the, the, the CEO, as annoying as he is, has his pulse on what's happening in uh, climate change. And, and they only produce electric vehicles like their their entire operation is green. And so they're going to continue as the as the world begins to get more serious about carbon credits and an environment. They are positioned to just accumulate tons and tons of credit. And these these that balance, you know, the, their, their, their balance sheet of credits uh, becomes more valuable as companies need to buy these credits to offset their carbon footprint because not all companies are going to be successful. Uh, and so that's a, that's a hidden gold mine on, on the balance sheet of Tesla, right? Along with the Bitcoin that it owns, along with the fact that it, you know, is the, is the best electric vehicle car maker out there. And so and a lot of people are missing it because they're criticizing Tesla for making money on, on EV profits. But it's like, it's, it's like criticizing an oil company that, that, find, that, that, that finds oil, drills for oil, and has a bunch of oil reserves, right? This is, you know, look at Saudi Arabia. I mean, they've lived for you know decades on their energy reserves. Russia is the same way. Um, so if we're moving into a world that's climate, you can think of an asset on the balance sheet of Tesla, like you know, just like Exxon and these companies that um, had proven reserves on their balance sheet of oil, right? Tesla has proven reserves of carbon credits on their balance sheets, and they're generating more and more and more, and they're one of the best at it. And so this 
This, I believe, Wall Street and a lot of folks are missing because the opportunity for this market is huge. As a matter of fact, I read a blog post that basically broke out the different asset classes over the last three years and how they performed. And the uh, uh, there's a futures market for carbon credits in, in Europe, but that futures market you know, went up something like 500% over the last three years. And that outperformed every asset class, including Bitcoin. And so it's uh, it's interesting um, of an investment opportunity. And I plan to continue to dig deeper to see what other companies are as efficient as Tesla as producing these credits and thinking about scooping up some of them. But but we own Tesla. Um, and and so that that even that in that increased my expectation of the five-year return for Tesla for me over the next five years, which again, we own a macro opportunity strategy. Um, so let's next topic. But hey, I'll be talking more about this uh, as well. Next topic. Uh, like I said, Bitcoin's back above 40,000. Why is that? Um, I got my, nobody really knows. It, part of it is who really cares, right? It goes up, it goes down. People are accumulating. But I think there's a lot of good things that have been happening with Bitcoin, even despite the the FUD, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt that's happened over the last couple of months because the institutional investors that were getting in at the beginning of the year, they haven't stopped buying slowly. Now you have countries adopting it as legal tendency via El Salvador and more companies looking into it. You have their citizens who are becoming aware of cryptocurrencies uh, because their governments are talking about it now. I mean, Latin America is huge. A lot of people. Uh, Africa is huge. A lot of people in Nigeria is, you know, getting big into it. India reversed their ban. Huge population of people looking into Bitcoin. Um and, and I do believe the U.S. will get on board because we're a com- we're a country of freedom, and it's you know we we might struggle with how to maintain our power and allow for Bitcoin, but I think ultimately, like we uh, we as a country are going to be super beneficial. As a matter of fact, I mean, we already have states like Texas who is Bitcoin friendly, so it's 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 you know we Texas had a as I mentioned on my last podcast episode, um, banks you know state charter banks can now custody Bitcoin here in Texas, so. There's a lot of positive news that did not really affect the price because of, you know, all the FUD and the leverage. Um, but but it, was, it was a lot of positive news, which means we're getting new and new buyers, other other buyers who are coming. Because whenever you have an asset class go up, you, you know, you have as you're adding buyers to the network. Right. Just like social media, as, as you know, the social media platforms get bigger, the more people come on the network. So you have different types of buyers. First, you had retail buyers. Then you had institutional investors. Then you had corporate treasuries. Now you got countries, um, and and so now you're uh, you're also having four hundred one k platform. I think uh, I didn't mention this, but a crypto there's a there's a four hundred one k provider that is now allowing four hundred one ks to invest in crypto, and that's tons of trillions of dollars in that market. And if you and so it's one provider offering offering it now, at least that we know of. You better believe, because as an advisor, I thought, man, I better educate myself on this because if I meet a you know 40-year-old business owner, they're probably going to want this 401k plan. And so if I'm thinking that, you better believe every other 401k pro- provider is thinking that. Uh, and and the, the the 401k provider that's doing it is using, is partnering with Coinbase, another one of the companies that we own in the macro opportunity strategy uh, to do it. 
And so uh, that's a, that's a, that's another big opportunity for crypto. So, but the other reason why it's probably coming up this week is uh, the Fed announcement. You know, the Fed is going to announce what they're going what they're going to do with um, uh, interest rates and bond purchase buying. And and he's in the corner, right? He uh, Fed you know Fed Chair Powell really. It's going to be tough for him to do anything with with short term interest rates. Um, which means he's going to have to continue on the same path that he's doing. And everybody on Wall Street is like, cool, that's what you're going to do. We're going to pile into inflation trades because this is going to get ridiculous soon. And again, remember my episode on debasement versus inflation. Inflation At this point, they're used simultaneously, um, but I think there's pressure for both. There's definitely debasement as they're expanding the Fed's balance sheet, making the money worth less. And there's also... Uh, spending and things that are coming to increase the wages of regular people, which drives up inflation all over the world. So um, there's, there's just big concerns. If, if they don't want to raise interest rates, that means that people, investors are like, Hey, I'm going to like get my money out of dollar assets and put them in inflation hedges. That's, that's the sentiment. And that's, you know, why you see oil and gas going up, um, gold starting to move a little bit, commodities definitely moving a little bit um, and Bitcoin, which is another inflation hedge. Uh, moving a little bit. So that's what's going on there. Um, last, Simple Life. I, my wife and I were watching High on the Hog uh, again. We liked it so much. And it was an episode where it was a, a, a village of people that lived on the water. And they just had like, you know, initially your reaction as an American is we go, oh man, poor people. They look like they, you know, need a bigger city, more fancy city, um, you know, more money. And then I, and I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, you know, they're able to fish and cook for their needs. They have a place to sleep. They're around people they love, having a good time. Um, you know, they don't they don't have to work 10 hours a week, you know, for 40 years to be able to retire and live life and enjoy it. Like they're enjoying life. You know, they don't have the pressures of fancy society to have to buy, you know, fancy clothes, super big houses. Um they don't have all these quote unquote needs, which are really wants that requires them to work a bunch of money so that they can one day relax at 65 and enjoy the life. Like they enjoy their life now. I mean, they, if you know, they, they can fish if they're hungry. Um, they, you know, they can make trinkets and sell to each other if they need to, but they're, but when you don't have a lot of big wants, you can live a very, 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 very simple life uh, for, you know, for your whole life. And I mean, I think, you know, I think a lot of us say, hey, we, you know, we, we want to work hard so we can retire and on the beach. <laughs> well, why not think about putting yourself in a position now to where you can lower your expenses, like, especially in this age where technology is being embraced. I mean, a lot of us can move to places like El Salvador, where Bitcoin is legal tender, uh, legal uh, tender and have a low cost of living and we can work remote and virtually and you know, we can work 10, 20 hours a week virtually, uh, spend the rest of the time having fun, put our savings in Bitcoin, which rises because it's a better currency than uh, than, than the dollar and every other currency on the earth, and just really live a, a good, simple life. And it's something that, as I've been talking about on the podcast more and more, not just thinking about retirement as a goal, thinking about how do I want to create the life that I want to live now. And that's, again, something I've incorporated into my plan. Uh and um, um, and I'm, you know, I'm encouraging everybody to think about it because happiness, I think, 
we talk about all the core revolutions happening in the world. I think this century is going to be a century around like, what does it mean to really be happy? What does it mean to really be a human? I do, you know, working 80 hours a week, that's not normal. You know, for you, we, we, we spend our whole life just, you know, uh, living to work instead of working to live. And that distinction, I think, is where folks will find a lot of happiness. So until tomorrow, talk to you soon. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.